0: Book dreams, a member of the Podglomerate Network and LitHub Radio. Hello, and welcome to Book Dreams, the podcast for everyone who loves books and has ever wondered about them. I'm Eve O'Hallam, a children's book author. My books include The Truth According to Blue and Cast Off: The Strange Adventures of Petra de Winter and Brom Broen.
1: And I'm Julie Sternberg, author of a number of children's books, including Like Pickle Juice on a Cookie and its Sequels, and the Top Secret Diary of Seely Valentine series. In each episode of this podcast, we explore a book-related question. And in this episode, we're talking about a fantasy we've shared for many, many years, owning our
0: very own bookstore. Indeed. So you may remember if you happen to have listened to our very first Welcome to Book Dreams episode, which Julie, I just I took a look on our website and it's called Episode Zero, which is kind of strange. But (laughs) if if you have listened to Episode Zero, Welcome to Book Dreams, you may remember that in a certain sense, this whole podcast sprang from our wish to explore what it would be like to open our very own bookstore. I kind of think of the Book Dreams podcast, a little bit like a crossword puzzle. And so the episodes that we do that are about exploring a bookstore are our theme answers, or theme clues. Oh. Does that work for you? Does that... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Anyway, this episode is one of those theme clues.
1: Yes. And I, I want to say, Eve, I went back and we listened to episode zero. Did you listen to it? I listened to
0: it a while ago, but not recently.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: it's... Uh-oh. So- <laughs>
1: No, no, you know, it's not that I think it's bad. It's just we sound so happy and sort of carefree. And we talk about joy and building community. And I just listened to it and I thought, oh, you're naive. naive. <laughs>
0: this was December. <laughs> we had no idea what was coming.
1: Nothing, nothing.
0: Yes. And spoiler alert, this episode is going to reflect that evolution.
1: Yes, exactly. One of the very first episodes that we lined up was to talk to booksellers about what it was like to be a bookstore owner for our own edification. And then we kept lining up more interviews in that vein because times kept changing so dramatically. And we kept wondering, well, how does these events affect being an owner of a bookstore? What's that like? So we've conducted a number of interviews since December with various bookstore owners and those interviews reflected the various challenges that we've all been facing. Those challenges are from the very relatively small, at least from a global perspective, one author's book coming out in the middle of a pandemic and getting lost. That's small, you know, maybe on to the world, but quite big to the author and to all of the authors happening. So everything from that to livelihoods being at stake to lives
0: being at stake. It's been a profound experience conducting these interviews and also the speed at which things have changed has really struck me. Yeah. So let's get started with our interviews. Um, We talked to Janet Webster-Jones. She's the owner of Source Booksellers, an independent nonfiction bookstore in Detroit. Janet is the daughter of a librarian and was an educator for 40 years in the Detroit public schools. She's been in the bookselling business since 1989.
1: We also spoke with Donna Paz Kaufman. She and her husband, Mark, have been helping people launch and run successful bookstores for more than 25 years. And two years ago, they opened Story & Song which is a bookstore in Amelia Island, Florida. We spoke with Donna in mid-May about the effects of the pandemic.
2: We were down in March because everybody was shocked. You know, everybody's like, what? (laughs) What's going on here? And then everything went to a halt pretty quickly. But I think as this plays out, what we're gaining are those people who wanna shop locally, love their independent bookstores, and realize that it's easy and they can support local and they can order online and have it shipped to their home because we had in some ways a perfect storm right amazon's not shipping books they were not a priority but they were still shipping shoes sure you know they were still shipping all kinds of things and it was about margin and prioritizing their warehouse facilities in a toned down kind of way. They were prioritizing their product. Mm -hmm. So Indies could say, we are here for you. We're not going anywhere. Shop on our website, come by for curbside for those who felt comfortable doing that. But the website capabilities, I think, have proven to be essential. And it might once and for all give us a little bit more market share. Uh,
0: Wouldn't that be fantastic? I wonder, are people calling you or do you even have the bandwidth to have lots of phone conversations about, you know, gosh, I'm looking for a new mystery novel, you know, the the way you would ordinarily hand sell in the store. Does that happen at all?
2: It does. But the problem for many of us is that we don't have a bank of phones or people answering the phone. So people are saying, we are working three times as hard for half as much. It's that person who says, I'm looking for a puzzle but I can't be a thousand pieces. She can only do 300 pieces. Then you run over to the puzzle selection and you're looking and you're talking. And sometimes you have to say, because it's going beep, beep, somebody else is trying to call. And we've been using our cell phones, our personal cell phones too, just to offload the main phone line. So it does happen where somebody needs assistance, finding the right item, somebody in our neighborhood, she wrote down all of the May birthdays for me. And Hmm. she told me a little (laughs) bit about she, she wanted, I needed to do personal shopping for her greeting cards for all of her grandkids. That's a good neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good neighbor, but you know what? I had to work really hard for that $20 sale. I had to say this card for Sarah, who's 18 and this card for, and so I think all of us are doing the extra work, but it's time-consuming. Our inventory investment is at risk. We've either got to find creative ways for sell-through or we've got to do returns. And I feel for those authors, you know, who got caught in this, who are...
0: (laughs) Donna, I don't know if you know this, but I'm one of those authors. I have a book that came out last week. Last week? Yeah. Well, how's it going? Well, it's like a tree falling in the forest. You know, people who know me are buying the book, and people who don't know me don't know to ask for it and have no way of finding out about it.
2: Yeah, and we're frustrated by it. We we are now open for browsing. We are letting four people in at a time. I think slowly that's going to build, but you're right. I mean, those of you in this little window, there's... Another 2,000 books released next Tuesday. Mm. And that's not stopping, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, enough mm. about me and my depressing
2: situation. <laughs> well, good luck. Will you send me some promo information? I will. Thank
0: okay. you. Good. Thank you, Donna. You bet.
2: <laughs> you bet.
0: I think I actually teared up when Donna made that offer. It was so kind of her. Oh. I deeply, deeply appreciate how supportive she's been um, of me personally and and of us in our podcast.
1: Yeah. You know, what I think is so interesting, Eve, I mean, she's been incredibly generous. Uh, I think that's indicative, too, of the emphasis that she puts on building community.
0: She talked to us initially about how community building was essential to her store's success. We had a long conversation with her about how her focus on community has helped her get through the pandemic.
2: I think we solidified that during this whole thing. We went into motion when the kids were not in school. We partnered with the Boys and Girls Club, and we said to our customer base, let's get a book in every hand of the kids who get free meals from school Mm. because the Boys and Girls Club was distributing those meals and they were thrilled. And then the shelter for women and children in abusive home environments, we did the same for them.
0: What a wonderful way to support the community.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's why our April was slightly higher than last April. No. Yep. We said to the community, we are all in this together. Let's just look at this together and let's see what we can do together. And people called and they sent us checks and they came by and they just shoved money at us. Here's (laughs) a hundred dollars. People felt so bad, but they felt good that they were invited to help in some way they were invited to help. So we did that for those two. And then we have taken lunch from our bistro to the ER in our island hospital every week. And then we took lunch over to the firefighters and the, you know, the ambulance um, people. And so we just have been trying to find ways to deal with our own sadness about this and the alienation and just be out there. And then later came the emotional aspect. You could probably hear it in my voice. People said, you guys are the best. You're there for us. And thank you for being open. And thank you for picking out my cards. And I think that's how you win customers, friends for life. Yeah. Who knew a pandemic would be the way to really say, okay, I think we're there.
1: We made a big leap
2: in this way. All i
1: right, right. I'm, I'm a little choked up. I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> I I am too.
1: I wondered whether you had suggestions for readers in terms of how they can support independent bookstores right now.
2: Oh gosh, I think it's important that readers know that independent bookstores are always challenging to run and that the reason why it works is the love and commitment of the people in the store for their community. And the community will prove its commitment back to the store by choosing to shop locally. That's the only way it works. Now's the time. If you really believe that you like independent stores, you like the creative selections and community-based business operation, this is the time to support it.
0: I'm a little embarrassed to confess that I have been buying my books, some from Amazon, some through independent bookstores for a long time, mainly out of laziness. But for the last several months, I've been buying exclusively through independent stores. It's been so nice to engage with people on a personal level about the books I'm reading. Sometimes I'll put in an order and I get a note back saying, oh, I loved that book.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So in addition to wanting to support independent bookstores, it's a much better buying experience.
1: Yes, I agree. And I have, like you, shifted entirely to independent bookstores. And, you know, I buy so many books. It's just, it's really a scandal. Um, so, it's so nice <laughs> to to I
0: don't a know. Lot on, on the list of sins, I think that's pretty <laughs> low down. I don't
1: know. Maybe you should talk to my family who can't barely move through our house for all the books.
0: <laughs> um. So speaking of independent booksellers, in mid-June, we spoke to Janet Webster-Jones, who's a longtime bookseller with very deep ties to her community.
1: You know, I just want to point out that I was looking at the website for her bookstore, which is www.sourcebooksellers.com. And there's so many photographs of events at the book space and everyone is sitting together and they all look so intrigued by what various speakers are saying and just happy to be there. And it, I think, was an indication of what a warm and wonderful place this bookstore is. I can't wait to go someday. But also, it was a little bit sad, just sort of a reminder, well, A, of what bookstores can offer, and B, of what we're missing out on right now. But hopefully, we'll get back to it.
0: Hopefully. Hopefully. Because Zoom just doesn't cut it, those Zoom no, events. no. Anyway, Janet told us the story of how she got started as a bookseller, and then we moved on to talking about how Source Booksellers has responded to the pandemic and to the Black Lives Matter movement.
3: My name is Janet Webster-Jones. I'm the founder and current member operator of Source Booksellers, which is a unique niche of nonfiction books. And we've been established as a bookseller in Detroit since 1989, 30 years. We are primarily a nonfiction bookstore, and our books are in five major categories, history and culture, health and well-being, books that are by and about women, metaphysical, spiritual, new age, and the arts. And then we repeat those same categories for the young readers as well, the little ones that uh, grannies like to buy for, or parents buy for, and then some of the young adult ones. Yeah.
0: I imagine that since 89, the offerings for children have changed a lot. It seems to me, and and you would know better than I, that there's a much bigger focus on nonfiction books for kids than there used to be.
3: Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. And hopefully for adults, because we associated reading with getting away and reading fantasy stuff. And people want to know things. In fact, they're mad because they don't have knowledge and histories that are coming to them at this time that were never taught or never known or never heard of in our family. I just heard a wonderful broadcast this morning about the presence of slavery in Detroit. And people in Detroit do not know this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Many people in Detroit do not know that many of our streets and places in the other parts of the U.S. are actually named after slaveholders. So now all of that is coming to the fore. And reading is going to take us where we want to go with this because knowledge and understanding will keep us from these kinds of uh, ridiculous <laughs> experiences that we're having now. Yep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Can you say a little bit about how you became a bookstore owner and how courage what, what and opportunity,
3: what opportunity <laughs> showed up and I had the courage to keep going. I didn't have any business plan, but I did. I started as a vendor going to where people had events. Those were people who were already having events and they invited vendors to come bring their wares and sell. So that was the first incarnation of this business. Then the second one was when I joined three other independently-owned merchants in a common space. So I was there for 10 and a half years. While there, this building that I am in now was built across the street, and they were looking for experienced merchants, and so I moved over here. Then I've been here, and this is our seven and a half years. So mm-hmm. the pandemic has brought along another incarnation of the business called Online Sales. Mm-hmm. So that's how we've moved over the last 30-plus years. Now,
0: I wonder, can you tell us about the relationship between your store and your local community? I, I feel like... Well, we're deeply embedded
3: in the community. I live in Detroit. I was born in Detroit. And our community is anybody who walks in the door.
0: Have you focused on building relationships with the community? That's all we do. That's really what we do. Talking to people,
3: mm-hmm. participating uh, when... Invited, or when we reach to um, off-site visits, people that call us and want us to do things for them. So whoever is in my presence at any time and whoever's presence I'm in, I just call that community. It's no magical group of people.
1: Can you say a little bit more about how your store has been affected by the pandemic?
3: Well, uh, um, uh, I'm in Michigan and the governor... um, Pronounced stay at home directive that began, I want to say March 20th, I think it was about that time. So, after having a very good weekend prior to that, on Monday when everything stopped, we went from a bank account to zero. Oh,
1: <laughs> gosh.
3: Yeah. And we had fortunately paid most of our March invoices and such, but um, we were affected like everybody else. We had to, first rock back from the shock. And then we pivoted immediately to online sales because mm-hmm. our point-of-sale system had a platform that we could go on to. And my daughter really did the hard work of populating and putting in order the online presence, and that's what we've been doing since then.
1: Are you easing back into an open store now? Very, very,
3: very slowly. Very, mm-hmm. very slowly.
1: And how about the protests? Have those affected your store?
3: You mean people saying what they want? Yeah. We all be, We better be affected by it. It's outrageous what has been happening to people. And it didn't just start. And there are all kinds of unconscionable, outrageous things that people have endured. And it's time for everybody to be protesting. Everybody. And yes, we need to be affected by it. And if you're not, go to another planet.
0: Just to go back to what you said earlier, it does feel like books in particular have a big role to play right now in terms of education.
3: Well, we actually heard Margaret Atwood speak at the American Booksellers Association, Winter Institute. And she said when people are jolted and get afraid, the first thing they do is hide. Then after they come out they wanna know, Well, what's going on? And then once they get that they start turning to books again. And so, yes, people are wanting, especially when it comes to the killing of black men, they want to know, well, what's going on? Well, we can tell you what's going on, and this is not for the first time. And there's a lot written about it, but now many people in this time period want to gain understanding, but they can't get it all they want, so they're turning to books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Do you have a message for readers right now?
3: No, I think you have to follow your heart, follow your curiosity, follow the pain follow your own experience with struggle and read where you can find it. Read about everything you can.
1: That is such a beautiful statement that you just made. Follow your heart, follow your passion, follow your pain. Ah, yeah. I just love that. Um, and so maybe we should talk a little bit about what we're reading. You and I are, are mm-hmm. going to read next Edwidge Danticat short story collection, Everything Inside. I just wanna maybe read a little bit from, there was a starred review in Publishers Weekly, which I think kind of sums up what we're interested in about this book. Set among the Haitian diaspora, the tales describe the complicated lives of people who live in one place, but are drawn elsewhere. In propulsive pose and with great compassion, Dante Cot writes both of her characters' losses and of their determination to continue. I just want to say to Eve, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited because I was able for the first time in months to walk into a bookstore the other day and order this book. And I'm picking it up in person today from... One of my favorite bookstores on the planet, which is Bookloft in Great Barrington, Massachusetts.
0: Oh, I love Bookloft. That's my family's bookstore, so I've, oh. I've been going there for years. And yet again, Julie, you and I are the same person because <laughs> I was able to go into Sag Harbor Books and purchase this book too, and it felt so. Good. There were tables with books on them. There were shelves with books on them. There were people browsing those tables and shelves. I mean, granted, we were all wearing masks, (laughs) so it wasn't a perfect experience, but oh, it was just great. Yeah. Great, great, great.
1: Wonderful.
0: Yeah. Yes. Um, And of course, we're also reading Tova Janssen's The Summer (laughs) Book, which we mentioned in our last episode. And so we'll be discussing both of these books in an upcoming episode. We'd love to hear what you're reading and your thoughts about it. You can reach us for that reason or any other at contact at bookdreamspodcast.com.
1: Thank you so much to all of you for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast and think someone else would too, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player.
0: Be sure to let us know if there's a book-related topic you've wondered about, and we'll try looking into it in a future episode. We're also on Twitter at Book Dreams Pod and on Instagram at Book Dreams Podcast.
1: Yeah, many thanks to our associate producer Gianfranco Lentini and to our theme music composer Maya Polsky. You can find Eve at com and me at Julie and you can find Donna at Story and Janet at sourcebooksellers.com. And check out the podcast website. It's www.bookdreamspodcast.com. Until
0: next time, happy book dreaming. Happy book dreaming. Your happy book dreaming sounded anemic. Okay. <laughs> happy book dreaming. Okay. That's better. Okay. <laughs> I'll listen to Book Dreams with Julian.